Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janus Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janus Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. David Faber is in L.A. at the Milken Institute Global Conference. Bulls are trying to extend yesterday's big upside reversal as this two-day Fed meeting begins. And corporate earnings today do include some disappointing guidance from Estee Lauder, Clorox, Hilton, and others. Our roadmap begins with some advice for Fed Chair Powell. Look for another job. We'll tell you who said that as that two-day meeting gets underway. Elon Musk continues to look for help in paying for Twitter. And as we said, shares of EL tumbling in the pre-market after cutting their full-year guide. We are going to start with the markets on day one of this two-day policy meeting. This is what legendary investor Paul Tudor Jones said about Chair Powell on Squawk about an hour ago. What would you be telling Jay Powell right now? Oh, I'd, I'd be saying looking for, look for another job. I, I think this is one of the most challenging periods ahead for the Federal Reserve Board in its history. Went on to say, Jim, uh, can't think of a tougher macro environment for stocks and bonds and that inflation is going to be more pernicious than we think, harder to handle down the road. Well, look, I think that the idea of looking at the S&P and deciding that maybe it doesn't work is great if you're a billionaire. I'm on Kotara. I'm on Devon, I'm on Diamondback, great hedges, oil companies, all very well run, all giving you between 7 and 9% yield. Uh, if inflation rages, they'll get more. Better than cash, better than three-year, better than five-year. But I'm on those calls. Okay, now, Kotar hasn't had their conversation. There's coming up in Devon. I'm friends with Rick Moncrief. This is not what they do. Okay, they do not look at the billionaires do not look at stocks because stocks are too small for billionaires. Okay, it's too small. Honeywell, which I know we like, too small. It's not too small for people who watch us. For people who want to make little money, it's not too small. You can buy certain stocks in his environment. But if you're S&P, yeah, he's right. I'm stuck with the 500. Last night, I'm, after meeting with five chemist, chemical analysts, and I'm not bragging, I'm just saying this is how lousy my life is. <laughs> after meeting with five chemical analysts for dinner, I then take home four conference calls, including Clorox. I look at them. Some CEOs are doing better than others. I come up this morning, and I see that uh, Elliott is trying to rattle Western Dig, which makes a lot of sense. Western Dig is worth a lot more if they break it up. And I say to myself, okay, I have to do the homework because I work for CNBC. That's my job. I don't work for myself. I work for CNBC. Who's CNBC? It's viewers. It would be so easy for me to say, you know what? I got a lot of money. I got a vineyard. Doing well. I don't want to lose any cash. No. (laughs) I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick. And I love Paul Tudor. I've done a lot of work. But I just think to come on and say that Jay will look for a new job. 
This darn guy is doing his darn best. He inherited a disease that has killed a million people, that has shut down China. He's inherited a war that we're doing nothing other than giving him a couple javelin missiles. And that's Jay. Jay should go home. Go be with Lissa. Have fun. No. Jay is doing his darn best. And the idea of just coming on and saying, which is funny. It's hysterically funny. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, he's definitely got a hard, a hard needle to thread. Uh, but he's doing his best, and he's raising rates. The economy is slowing on its own. Right. The housing stocks sell four times earnings. The chemical companies are getting crushed. We're seeing the oils do well because of, of Russia. He may figure this out. But to write him off before he started, when he felt that Omicron correctly might shut down our country, the Chinese... They shut down their country in Omicron. I'm just saying it's not funny. And I love Paul Trudeau, but it's not funny. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are things, David, uh, obviously out of his control. Uh, we keep going back to uh, the binary potential outcomes in Shanghai and China regarding the lockdown, obviously the war uh, and, and Putin's path. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, uh, one of his points, as we said, was that uh, the labor supply issues and the product supply issues that we were just getting used to late last year are just now uh, coming to bear full, full bore on the economy. All true. Uh, and so much outside his control, as you point out, uh, Carl. Uh, you know, Jim's already throwing stuff. He looks like he ate a bad oyster or something. Um, I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow, Jim, next to you. Just so you know. I just think it's, okay. it's just, David, I just think it's glib. You ought to find your job. I used to do that stuff. You know yeah, that? I, it is and it isn't. I mean, listen, I always want to listen to what Paul Tudor Jones says, and so do you. No, I mean, I don't think you want to. The, the guy has had Paul great Jones. insight. He's had a, a, he's had a great career. Um, when it comes to macro, I want to listen to him. Uh, and oftentimes, he's actually even had the benefit of having been right. So, you know. He meant oftentimes be right. He's not necessarily. Yeah. Um, and by the way, he's saying what I'm hearing here uh, at the Milken Conference a lot. Of course, there's a lot of concern about what, you know, you'll, you'll hear d- people debate. Well, has it been, how many years has it been since rates have moved up? Sometimes it's this 30-year bull market, you know, bull run of, of bonds or uh, go back, I don't know, how long. But people are talking about this as a seminal moment, uh, Jim, because it's not something we have dealt with in such a long period of time. And the market is still digesting what it really means to have, you know, rates moving up appreciably from even here. Now, we could argue that that almost 3% yield on the 10-year has already accounted for a good amount of what Jay Powell has in store for the markets. Um, But we've seen what it's meant to multiples. We've seen what it's meant to growth stocks. And then there are all those cross-currents that Carl just mentioned, Jim, which are very, very hard to quantify in terms of their long-term impact. All right, David, I accept that. I think that we're going through the process of reevaluation. I did a piece last night about the collapse of multiples. Uh, you could say, well, hold it, Jim, the collapse of multiples, that's just anticipating the collapse of earnings. I think the consumer's much stronger than any of those other times. When I say the consumer's much stronger, I mean the balance sheet's much better. I guess here's what I'm really saying. Turn us off if you believe them. Just shut us off. No need to watch. You're going to lose everything. Only Masterworks, Zimbabwe, (laughs) only Masterworks held their value, okay? Masterworks, Uh, mansions, 
uh, they help Master Works. We're talking about works so of we were, art. Is that what we're talking about? Yes. Okay. So let's say we're CBC sure. Zimbabwe okay, during right. hyperinflation. Yeah. Uh, you know, Carl, uh-huh. mm-hmm. I like well, the Cooney. I, I saw a place in Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Uh-uh. There mm-hmm. are many pockets that work, David. Okay, so let's say they're pockets. So let's find the bull market somewhere. Let's work harder. Okay. It's okay. Uh, all right. We just work hard. I hear you, but a lot of people do do own the broader market. They have done so, and by the way, it has been a smart thing to do because, as we well know, active managers have underperformed again and again and again, over and over, every year. It's not an easy thing to do, but I get it. There are always pockets of strength that one should find, and you've been talking about a number of those names. But when it comes to the broader market market and the economy right now, yeah, in the longer term, Listen, there's a lot of uncertainty. There always is. There's more now than perhaps there's been for some time. I will say to your point, yesterday talking to Mark Rowan, or talking to, uh, to Kusan Lee from, from Carlisle, the underlying companies, you know, they have some good insight given the broad array of private companies that they own. Demand remains strong. Uh, we'll talk to Michael Arigetti from Aries as well. Demand remains strong. You keep hearing that, Jim, and you pointed it out. Right. It's an important point. Well, why would um, you ever buy that does. Carvana 10%? You and I would call it something, 10% buy, and he, he says he likes it. Now, if you think that Paul Tudor Jones is right, Carvana stock just went from, what, 80 to 60? Or does it go to 20? Why just short Carvana? I mean, if you're going to really be this negative, why don't short? Just short. I don't know. I'm saying that it's, it's case by case. And if I look at, uh, let, let's say I look at a travel company. Okay, Carl, we just had a travel cut report last night. And I look at American Express. I listen to Steve Squared, uh, who I think is a good, good manager. I don't know, Carl. I mean, Expedia, American Express, the airlines that fill the course. Is that the sign that the world's ending? Now you can say, wait a second. Whip inflation now. It costs $5,000 to fly to Italy. It used to cost 2000 But I come back and say, well, in another six months, it'll cost 2000 again. I think that's um, that's clearly what we're going to talk about. Avis pre-market up eight uh, on their rental days up 52 revenue per day up 20 plus. But you mentioned at the top uh, Diamondback and Devon and their commitment to capital discipline, Jim. They are not interested in throwing good money in what they think may be a a later bad environment. I begged Rick Moncrief uh, in my travel trust conference call that we did, our CNBC investing club. I begged him to turn on the jets. This is Devon. Because oil's at 100. He said, okay, so let's say I turn the jets. It'll be one year from now. Uh, do you think Ukraine will still be on? Maybe it's at 80. Then I'll be, in, I'll, instead of making all the money you think I'll make, I'll make much less. Instead, I will return the capital to the shareholders. Coterra, 70% to the shareholders. That's a half nat gas. Nat gas is going way up, half oil. Now, again, these are too small for billionaires. Am I denigrating billionaires? I'm not Lenin, okay? And by the way, it was referenced by Musk yesterday. Um, I'm not Lennon, David. I'm not Lennon. I'm just look. I'm a guy who looks like him. But I'm just looking for situations where you can make money. And, David, these are not needles in haystacks. These are the largest domestic companies in oil. Right. You and Warren Buffett. Huh? I mean, you, you know, he's big in Chevron. He's big in Occidental. Um, well, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Listen, Jim, the debate rages. Uh, it rages here as well. Uh, you know, uh, Kathy Wood, who we've talked about a lot, uh, has been in attendance, um, continues, as you might expect, to talk very positively about many of the names in her portfolio. You got Ken Griffin, though, 
on the other side. And this debate sort of continues to play out. Uh, take a listen. These are very trying times because the pie is getting smaller. It's really difficult to maintain your purchasing power, your nominal equity in a world with a shrinking pie. And we've had some pretty difficult days over the course of the last four months as that pie has gotten smaller. So I, I'd say that for, the, for all investors, these are really trying times. And then there's Kathy Wood responding. And, and, and by the way, this was not a debate. We're just pointing to two separate sort of schools of thought here. Uh, we've obviously talked a lot about the ARC funds um, and their performance, especially from the top. You can see what it's been year to date. That looks a lot like Tiger Global, by the way, numbers of which just have been reported, I think, by Bloomberg, down as much as 44% this year. But here's what Kathy Wood said. She is still uh, a firm believer. This period is um, the most innovative period in, the his in history, five platforms at the same time. Many people thought, think this is a replay of the internet. You can see how that was a big false start back there. Uh, this is the real deal. These technologies are ready for prime time, the technologies themselves. The costs are falling dramatically. If anything, I think the risk to the economy during the next two to three years is deflation. Uh, even in the next year, we wouldn't be surprised to see it. It's a somewhat different view, I think, Jim, don't you think? I think that view's lacking rigor. I mean, just think about what you said about your tele telehealth. Okay, so you got Teladoc in there. Uh, you have Doctor in Demand. You have GoodRx. They've wrecked the margins. More doctors coming in. Her picks to be able to play the disruptive technologies are wrong. Her methods seem to be tired. Her ability to come up with a new idea every single day is trying. And I look at the trends and I say, if you did more homework, you'd certainly get better ones. Now, that is, a, is that a charge of negligence? No. This means maybe less marketing, more homework. I don't know, Carl. When you pick all these trends and they're good, and the horses that you're playing in the, in the trends are finishing 18, you know, they're fishing, finishing dead last, I question the rigor. Uh, that, but you are a, a fan of other long-term secular growth Absolutely. stories in the cloud. You're, you're bullish on metaverse. Yes. You, you just think that some of her, what, some of her stay-at-home well, COVID plays were, were temporary I, that wins? That kind of ended. That ended. Now, who is saying it ended? How about the companies? Companies are telling me, Jim, you know, we don't have that kind of growth anymore. Well, I want to say to them, have you done your homework? No. They've done their homework. They don't have that kind of growth. So we can ignore them, but we do so at our own peril. I like the fire today, by the way. Well, I'm just, you know, if I were a billionaire, here's what I'd do. I'd say, you only need to get rich once. Talk to me later. <laughs> oh, also, good luck. Speaking of billionaires, uh, Elon Musk said to be seeking a rework of the Twitter financing package. We're going to fill you in on that. Take a look at the pre-market here. Uh, you still got the VIX a bit elevated, but below 32. We'll talk a lot about uh, the Fed and, of course, the 54 S&P companies that are reporting today in a minute. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. 
While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Got some new developments regarding Twitter. According to Reuters, Elon Musk is now in talks with some large investment firms and high net worth individuals about taking on more financing for his $44 billion acquisition of the company and tying up less of his wealth in the deal. The new financing could reduce the $21 billion cash contribution he's committed, as well as the margin loan he secured against his Tesla shares. Uh, Jim talked a bit about, and we'll hear the sound in a moment, uh, at the Met Gala last night about his hopes for Twitter becoming Less of a niche product and something that maybe all Americans can participate yeah, yeah, in. I agree with that. I also really like the idea that this might cause Tesla stock to uh, not go down every day. I, mean, I think that the younger people uh, and some of them, you know, people who are of means look at Tesla the way I used to look at Apple, which is that if Apple falls off, you've got to be careful. Watch how when Tesla firms as it did yesterday, it takes up the whole entire market. Now, is the entire market a trend follower to Musk? I think Musk is the most important figure in finance today, and he's trying to make money. Uh, and I think he's got great ideas for Twitter from what I've heard. And I've done work on this. Not with him. He, I do not have that relationship. But with other people who have, who have done work, he's got big plans. The plans to me make a lot of sense. Right now, I think Twitter is uh, atavistic. It, it's the same way it was. Uh, they have great technology. They haven't been able to put it in place. And I think that Musk can do it. David, you know that Elon yeah, Musk yeah. does not approach autos the way car, car companies do. He doesn't approach solar no. the way solar companies do. He has new insights. No, he does. He doesn't approach space the way NASA did. Um, right. I do want to clarify something in terms of this because we're quoting these reports. I mean, I can, well, what I will tell you is I tend to use the word financing to mean money you need to pay back. Uh, what Musk is looking for, and I've heard this from a n- number of people, is, p- is uh, to syndicate his equity, right? He, he's committed $21.5 billion or guaranteed that he would provide $21.5 billion in cash. And there's $13 billion that's coming from banks to finance it. 
sort of a traditional way you'd finance an LBO. That will be paid back from the cash flow of Twitter itself. Um, there's uh, uh, there's $10.5 billion, I think it was, of uh, margin loan. Um, and that will be based on Tesla shares. But it's the $21.5 billion that he is out now trying to raise to lower his equity commitment. Um, how much or how successful he is in that is unclear. I know he's approached, you know, even a couple of weeks ago when this was very early, he'd approached a number of large private equity firms, for example. No real interest there from my understanding. But that doesn't mean he's going to find a lot of high net worth individuals and or um, some sovereign funds or others who would be willing to write some big checks here to take down that $21.5 billion number for him. Is that seen as a positive? Maybe in some way, because it'll be seen, uh, you know, well, likelihood of deal closed in some way. But you could also argue, Jim, that, you know, he's the dog that caught the bus and now he's got to figure out a way to make it all work um, and does want to reduce his overall equity exposure. We'll see how successful he is in that. But that's the effort that's going on right now. I don't call that financing. I call that the equity check. So a bit different in terms of what what uh, is being reported there. Uh, We talked about this yesterday as well. Well, David, I, I think that one of the things that we can a, a, agree to is that uh, when the board considered what he presented in front of them versus their own management team, uh, the board felt that Musk had better plans. Um, from what I'm told, yes. Musk is going to do a top-bottom uh, way to be able to get more people to come in. And, David, I think that uh, this is an undervalued asset based on the fact that it has not grown. Uh, and the margins have not grown. Well, the, the, and well, then it, he's going to be successful in finding people to, to want to participate on the equity side because there's going to be an I, increase in that equity at some point if he does successfully, as you say, is possible, uh, re-engineer the company so that it becomes more profitable. And then, of course, at some point, you assume he'll take it back to the public markets, especially yes. if you got a lot of other equity investors. They were going to be looking for an exit. Um, it's going to be fascinating to watch. You know, uh, again, on the regulatory front, some people may be concerned. It's completely unclear to me what in any case could be made to stop this deal uh, on an antitrust basis. There doesn't appear to be anything uh, on that. Uh, And then, uh, you know, there'll be continue to be some reporting, it would seem, on sort of how he puts the whole thing together. But again, it's the equity check itself. And then, Jim, we'll see. Twitter is a private company. It should be fascinating to watch Musk. Well, uh, space, those of us who have tried to use it in business, solar, to do direct response, Tesla, David, it never it, ends. It, it, yeah. it just doesn't work. You can't use it to be able to, you know, like the way you would generate with with Alphabet. You write a check to Alphabet if you're a small business for ten thousand, you're going to get fifteen thousand back. You write a check to these guys for ten thousand, they'll say, take the ten thousand back. We can't do anything with it. Yep. There. Okay, that's Twitter now versus Google. Uh, Meanwhile, Reuters has this piece about a letter indicating that authorities in Shanghai helped move about 6,000 workers and helped disinfect to get that Tesla factory back and running last month. Uh, Pretty interesting, heavy lift by the Chinese authorities, according to Reuters. Uh, We'll take a look at futures here. We'll get the opening bell in just about six minutes. Don't go away. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Click, 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 click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Canva. 
What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Take a look at some pre-market gainers. Western Dig, Jim mentioned Elliott, calling for uh, separating the flash business, offering to invest about a billion dollars. Got to get to NXP as well. Pretty good guide on the back yes. of OnSemi. And the opening bell in four minutes. Let's get to Kramer's Matt Dash ahead of the opening bell. We heard a lot this morning earlier from basically saying throw your hands up. Ed Breen does not want to throw his hands up. He's the CEO of DuPont. He reported a good number. Said next quarter could be a little soft because in China he kept his year. Uh, he's going to buy back a ton of stock. Uh, he's a proven moneymaker. The stock's down very big. I like it. I like DuPont a lot. Uh, Q2 guide, a little soft, but yes, they definitely. keep the full year. I thought uh, that was interesting because it, they believe that China's going to come back one yep. And And Kim Morris. So, I mean, you know, I think what you want to look at are people who have made money, who are still in the game and care passionately about it. Ed Green is one. Let's get to that opening bell here at the big board this morning. It's Western Midstream Partners celebrating its 10th listing anniversary at the NASDAQ. It is TEDx Water Street, a lineup of distinguished guests, an event licensed by TED. So we can start all over. We got a bunch of travel names in Hilton, Expedia, MGM today, Jim. Well, I'll tell you, the one I want to mention is uh, Estee Lauder. I think that Fabrizio Freda maybe has some good, better things to say on the conference call. Uh, the stock is down very big. The stock was at 374. It's now 227, down 31. It, it's very rare for, for Fabrizio to miss like this. There were skincare problems in China and obviously China on lockdown. But let's watch that as being uh, one of the best CEOs who's stuck with a, a, pro, a portfolio that's not working yeah. for now. He still has a bunch of uh, hero brands, but I do find that mm, that's not positive. Another one's not positive is uh, SVB Security saying there's been no pickup for HCA. HCA was, was the Netflix of healthcare. Uh, and then let's uh, not forget that Biogen threw in the towel with his Alzheimer's. I think that's an opportunity for Lilly, which I believe is doing quite well in its Alzheimer's. But uh, Lilly, David Ricks, is not a promotional artist. So that's just work that I've done uh, candidly because of problems with my brain yeah. and working with people who uh, are desperate to fix it. Well, as long as we're focused on uh, on weak guidance, uh, Clorox wasn't a whole lot better. I felt uh, terrible. Cutting about the that. gross margin and the EPS guide. Yeah, they can't. They haven't put through price increases. I met with uh, Olin last night. Of course, they have. They make um, chlorine. Uh, but I will tell you, the way I look at what Linda Randall's doing at Clorox, I think she is going to put through the price increases where she needs. The portfolio keeps improving by her. Uh, she's got some innovation. I'm not writing that one off. Three and a quarter. I'm just not doing it. Three and a quarter yield. On a, much, a good smaller, much smaller scale, Chegg was down 40 pre-market. Well, that's um, because they say the people would rather work than go to school. Yep. Or, or and they're taking stupid courses. Earning before learning, Jim. Earning before learning. Yep. Well, how about losing money before making money if right. you're on Chegg? Remember, he bought a lot of stock, Dan. Uh, and I appreciate that. It, it's always good when they buy a lot of stock. Bad when the stock goes down big after they buy it. Well, I think we're going to talk to him later this morning. Oh, good. On, on tech tell me, said I. Yeah. Uh, but back to back below 17, one of the yeah. big blowups uh, of last night. Uh, is David with us? I think uh, Paramount's worth looking at uh, with a beat. 
revenue miss, but Paramount Plus does add almost 7 million subs. It does. Uh, although, you know, I'm looking at the stock right now and obviously seeing it down. Um, I want to check on the call, guys, and just make sure if and what has been said. Because overall, as you point out, Carl, uh, positive, at least in terms of sort of the quick reaction of analysts that we get in the morning. Um, you know, I'm looking at a number of different ones. Net ads uh, for, of course, Paramount Plus, which is the key uh, product here, 6.8 million. That beat consensus by a lot. I think it was about 3.1 million. Consolidated revenue was 7.3 billion. That was just below uh, consensus. Uh, direct to consumer revenue, 1.1 billion in line. Uh, but overall, even ads, when you take out the Super Bowl from a year ago, remember CBS, look pretty good. So we'll sort of dig in a little bit more because not perhaps the response that was anticipated, at least when these numbers first came out, guys. Uh, of course, you know, we've seen our parent company add a decent amount of subscribers at Peacock. We've seen Paramount Plus have decent additions uh, as well, but much of this thrown into doubt by those Netflix numbers, Jim, uh, which the market is still trying to sort of come to terms with, and, you know, and the lack of, well, no growth whatsoever there. I guess if if there hadn't been war in Ukraine, you would have added some subs in Russia that might have turned things positive overall. But uh, still trying to figure that out as we look at Netflix shares down 67 percent. But Paramount taking a hit here um, as well, despite what appeared to be, as I said, uh, reasonably good numbers. Yeah, David, I went over Paramount and I said in the vacuum of not looking at the pre-market trading, I said, hey, you know, OK, so maybe the maybe one million and only, maybe it'll only be up a dollar. Uh, but, you know, it's got the Netflix team. You know, Netflix is the defining stock of this period, Carl, because Netflix just says, Everything has hit the wall. Now, I don't think everything's hit the wall, but that's certainly the way people are acting. And I have a problem with that because I think that there are a lot of companies that are doing quite well. Uh, I see the real estate investment trust doing well. I see the oils doing well. We could asterisk them and say, well, listen, that's all that's doing well. But it's our job to find what's... I regard my job as to find what's doing well. Right. And I thought that Paramount would do better, but, but I also knew that it was too close to Netflix. And Netflix means forget about it, Jake. It's... Netflix. Uh, it's interesting. There's a kind of a split in travel today. Uh, Expedia does see a robust summer recovery, yeah. Jim. Um, I like that quarter. Uh, City Business International coming back. I'm not sure. I'm not sure shares are reflecting it. Although Boeing is the top performing Dow component at the moment. Well, that's wrong. My travel trust owns it. Boeing. Well, what happened? Yeah. I mean, oh, I guess the reopening. <laughs> I don't know. At least that happens. We sold a lot of 200. I kept a little bit on because I figured it can't be this bad. David, that's a good theme for right now. It can't be this bad. Paramount. Can't, can't be, be this bad. bad. All right. Well, can't all be right. this bad. That could be your new Somebody tagline. Somebody recommended J.P. Morgan today. Did you see that? No, Holy I didn't. Cow. No, I J. didn't. J.P. Morgan. I thought that that was a one-way ticket to the danger zone. Palookaville. Um... How about Kellogg and, I want to come back and to West. Tyson being downgraded because people aren't going to order beef and not going to use uh, branded cereal? I saw that. Not going to eat branded cereal. Trading down in cereal. Trades, yeah, trio, cereal yeah. trade down. Yeah. Cereal trade down with the balance sheets mm. of the consumer being the best ever. But they're going for... Um, does Kirkland have... Well, if Kirkland this, has Kirkland, you're, you're, you're pointing to an interesting, um, you know, the bull argument is strong consumer balance sheet, strong corporate balance sheet. Right. But B of A, for example, this morning uh, talks about with stock prices down, 
corporate budgets get a reset, leading to a layoff, a weaker consumer, and then a weaker corporate balance sheet. But then Goldman is saying that there's going to be a trillion dollars in buybacks, 12% more than last year. Goldman does good work. I mean, you know, we have good work versus good work. I mean, it really is hard. Like Mike Wilson looks wrong, then he's right. Costin comes up with some very positive stuff about buybacks. Uh, he, he giving you very good uh, grounding. And I keep thinking within, and David, within this, the confines of some people being negative and some people being positive, is this maybe niche group of companies that do very well in the atmosphere that we see. And uh, utilities have been great. Now, you can say, well, Jim, that doesn't count. Utilities don't count. But, you know, American Electric Power has just been nothing but a juggernaut. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it does count, doesn't it? Don't the utilities count? Or are we sure, only like to talk about cable? They're, they're, they're defensive. No, let's not talk about cable. Please, no cable. Charter got a okay. downgrade today, by the way, talking about cable. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, all right, but it's a time for defensive names. That doesn't get people too excited, though. Utilities? Well, I, I, I like money. Oil companies? You try to make money for people. Yeah. In names that... I hear you. Look, I don't want to be in the SPACs that are down 71%. We can avoid those. Maybe avoid the really bad ones. You buy some of these oils that are very good. Mm-hmm. Oh, oils should be 8% of the S&P. I mean, that's okay, David. We just all kind of focused on Netflix and, and how bad Amazon was. We did. Well, oil, oil is a percentage of the S&P continues to go up as the S&P overall comes down. And it Does that count? Going higher, although I haven't seen. There is energy. Yeah, it does. Look at that. 38% gain so far this year. Um, well, you're not allowed you, to have Here's that Western data. Dig. No you one's know, allowed to get that. Uh, at the bottom there, you're, yeah, you're seeing Western Dig leading the S&P. Let's talk a bit more about it, shall we, Jim? You know, the letter from, from Elliott, they own, what, a billion dollars worth of stock. They, they want the company uh, to fully separate the flash business so that it allows HDD and flash to be what they say would be more successful and unlock what they also say would be significant value. They think you separate that out, the stock could reach 100 by the end of next year. Um, from, you see, the current 60, and that's obviously already up uh, nicely this morning. They also, by the way, Jim said they'd offer another billion of incremental equity capital into the flash business at an enterprise value of about 17 to 20 billion, which is kind of close to the current enterprise value of the overall company, to be utilized either in a spinoff transaction or as equity financing in a sale or merger with a strategic partner. Um, so interesting moves there. By the way, Elliott has been very aggressive of late on the private equity front. No hints at all there. This would be a very large deal, but they are willing to put another billion to work if, in fact, the board does consider their plan to split entirely. What are your thoughts? Uh, I remember when the merger was made six years ago and the company went to 105 and it looked great because they were no longer just, uh, they were, they were no, you know, they had DRAM and, and Flash together seemed like a natural. They haven't created that much wealth. Elliot's definitely right about that. I wouldn't be, I would not be surprised if, if Gockler, if the CEO didn't embrace their view. Uh, because if you do the split off and then you maybe you merge, uh, there's some players that could be merged, and I don't think there would necessarily be any trust issues, like uh, this Kioxa, which has 90% of, uh, of of Flash. They could, you know, you can merge Flash with them. I like the plan, and I think that Western Digital's had a long time 
to try to create value, David. And the company has created more value as Seagate, which is a standalone flash company. So I don't know. I I kind of like what the, what Elliot wants to do, and I wouldn't be surprised if the company doesn't want to do it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. No word, of course. This letter just going out this morning. Um, we'll see what the response is from the company. But it is aggressive, of course, as Elliot often is. The leader really in activism at this point. But again, their private equity businesses in many ways been um, even more aggressive and active over the last, let's call it, year or so. Um, we'll but see whether that kind of activity letter? continues. Yeah. But Say again? The letter was cordial. It was a cordial letter. Yes. Yeah. And I think that matters. Yeah. You can tell when they've been in there and they've basically been gotten the boot. This is not one of those cases. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, guys, obviously here at Milken, uh, going to be sitting down with Mike Larigetti from Aries uh, in a little bit as well. But yesterday I had a chance to talk to you know David Solomon from Goldman, uh, not to mention Q Lee from Carlisle, um, and uh, Mark Rowan from Apollo, all of whom addressed the current moment and had different thoughts about that big question that suddenly seems to be looming, which is, are we going to see a recession at some point, given what the Fed is doing? Take a listen. It looks like we're going to squeak through 22 without a recession, but there's no doubt conditions are weakening. I'm not sure that's a bad thing in terms of a reset. There's clearly a correction going on. Personally, I think corrections are healthy because over the past decade, and it really accelerated over the past few years, liquidity and momentum drove valuations particularly in certain sectors and certain types of companies. Uh, and I think there's going to be a, a focus back to fundamentals, which is you know, great companies, but profitable growth. Rates are definitely going higher. When rates go higher, it tends to have an effect on the dollar and on asset prices. Um, and so we'll have to watch that very closely. But the, the path of all that and whether or not it can be navigated in a way where we kind of land softly and we don't have a serious recession is hard to predict. Yep, the old soft landing, of course, continues to be a key question. We can we can revisit your your airplane when the landing gear didn't come out as well, if you want, Jim. By the way, again, as I said, Michael Arigetti will join me uh, in the next hour of Squawk on the Street right here from Milken. Uh, talk about a lot of those things that we just talked with those three gentlemen about that you saw, in addition to uh, things that are specific to that alternative asset manager. Right. Carl? Well, look, they're all trying. Uh, none of them throwing in the towel. They're all looking for great opportunities. Uh, and I think that's terrific. And by, by the way, great opportunity. Here you have Clorox guide down, but beat the number. And suddenly we pay more attention to beat the number than guide down. And I think that's very important because that would be a trend change. Yep. Uh, Colgate uh, failed to beat the number and also guided down. That's the kiss of death. But if you've got one, the... Uh, Maybe you get a little movement up, Carl. One piece of the hat trick. Yeah. We promised uh, some bit on NXPI uh, beat, revenue ahead, uh, gross margins beat, the guide above, Jim. And on after the day where we got good guidance of, from on semi, right. can, can semis make a run? Well, these are industrial uh, IoT semis. And given the fact that NXPI got pancaked for theirs, uh, I think you got to either be in high-performance computing or 5G. Uh, I think people just think the auto cycle is kaput, no matter what. I mean, kaput. Uh, I, I that they missed it. I, I would like to think that's not the case. I think these executives are doing very well. But when you look at where Mary Barr's stock is and when Jim Farley's stock is, Mary Barr GM and Jim Farley Ford, people say, okay, they had a chance. Now we have recession. Nobody's going to buy cars, and forget it.
<laughs> good, good luck. Good luck. Um, so we went through a bunch of tickers in what's pretty much a flat tape here. S&P's up three. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, guys. Uh, sort of a flat open right now, sort of indeterminate. Uh, high print was about three or four minutes ago. But again, this moves around a lot in the last several weeks. Let's take a look at the sectors here. Energy's been strong. We've been getting great uh, profit reports from the energy companies. That's been the one big trend uh, for the earnings season. Industrial's okay. Banks are flattening out a little bit, have not had a good time recently. We near 52-week lows on many of the big money center banks. Consumer discretionary week. Some of the travel stocks are a little on the weak side. Expedia had Bookings and revenues a little bit below expectations. That's weighing on that sector. But travel's on fire. I've been traveling a lot recently and complaining about the prices. Well, here's why. I've been complaining. They're through the roof. Expedia reporting average daily hotel rates up 20% year over year. You think people would walk away? No. The stayed rooms, the number of rooms that people are booking, up 52%. Airfares up 39%. You think people would be walking away from that? No. The actual number of airline tickets sold up 48%. These are just stunning numbers. People are traveling despite the higher prices uh, that are out there. The other big feature of uh, earnings season so far is these stunning profits from the oil companies. Uh, Diamondback Energy, one of the big exploration and production producers uh, in the Permian Basin in uh, West Texas. Uh, They had outstanding numbers, earnings way above expectations, uh, uh, revenues above expectations. They're raising their dividends 16 percent as well. Cash flow is really strong. You know the one thing they're not raising? Production levels. Time and again, every single big oil company has come out and said, no thanks. We'll pass on that. Here's what the Diamondback CEO had to say. Diamondback is committed to maintaining our current production levels While we believe that efficiently growing our production base is achievable over the long term, we do not feel that today is the appropriate time. Heard this time and time again. Basically, no thank you. We're not going to increase our capital expenditures and then get left holding the bag when oil prices go back down and we've got these massively higher prices. They had this happen to them before. They seem to have learned their lesson. Obviously, Washington and certain people are very unhappy with their decision to maintain discipline. That's the word they're all using. Uh, But from their point of view, it makes sense. But from the point of view of increased oil production, which we need right now, a little bit controversial. Let me move on. You know, it's just going into the Fed meeting tomorrow. And yesterday we had a lot of questions late in the day, or at least I did, from traders about, was this the Fed drift? What accounted for that 80-point move in the S&P 500? The Fed drift is that tendency for the market to move up in the day before, day and a half before, and the day after the Fed meeting. Well, it hasn't worked very well recently. Interactive Brokers was talking to Steve Sosnick yesterday. He pointed out that recently, since March 2020, uh, actually, we've been lower 10 of 12 meetings. There hasn't been a drift up. It's actually gone in the other direction. But since the Fed has gotten more hawkish at the end of last year, it actually has gone back to the way it used to be. It's been higher four out of the last five minutes, five meetings. This is uh, the Fed drift. But still, there were people scratching their heads yesterday when in the middle of the day, as we were going lower and lower, all of a sudden the market turned around, put up the S&P intraday. We moved 80 points in a half an hour between 3 and 3.30. That is a pretty stunning move. I can assure you there wasn't any big news out. There was no fundamental reason for the S&P 500 to move 80 points, maybe Fed drift. A better explanation might just be the really poor liquidity that's been out there. This might seem like we're moving around a lot, but the volatility is creating very poor liquidity in the market. So what does that mean? Well, poor liquidity translates into 
big, big, wide bid ask prices, when the market gets crazy and people don't really understand what's going on, when you have high volatilities, traders post smaller sizes to trade and they widen out the bid ask spread. And what happens here is that this creates moves, the effect, Carl, of magnifying moves in the market. For example, you want to buy, you know, 100 uh, shares of the S&P futures contract. You might be able to move it a couple points three months ago, but now... By 100 shares, you'll move it much more significantly. And that's happening because of the poor liquidity we've been seeing in the market, Carl. It's a, a big problem that we've had for the last couple of months. Carl, back to you. All right, Bob. Thanks so much, Bob Bassani. A quick reminder for everybody this morning. Don't forget, you can always get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Jim. Sign up. Find out a lot more at CNBC.com slash join the club or use the QR code on your screen. We talk about how important it is to find new ideas. That's one thing Jim works very hard on hard on in this club. Before we go to break, bond report as the two-day Fed meeting begins. Take a look at how treasuries are faring. As you know, got to three yesterday on the 10-year, backing off a bit this morning, back to below 293. We'll be right back. A lot of activity in chips today. We mentioned uh, NXPI's results and guidance. Uh, Morgan Stanley resumes activity on NVIDIA, looking for a gaming correction. And of course, tonight, it's AMD and Skyworks. And by the way, we'll talk to Lisa Sue tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time with the Dow now down 22. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. I understand the president's going to look at uh, the Javelin factory at Lockheed Martin. I think they should look at our environment. Had them on last night. They have a Switchblade 600, very inexpensive. Uh, I've, I've operated it. doesn't take genius. And the U.S. government's only ordered 700. These can blow up a tank. So uh, if you listen to our environment last night, you would say, okay, do you want to end the 12,000 Russian tanks by 12,000 of the switchblades? But the U.S. has not done it. We seem to continually be played one hand behind our back, so worried about every time Putin says nuclear war. I, I'll tell you something. It, how about if he invaded Poland and said, listen, if you fight back, we're going to do, do nukes. Sure. How about France? I mean, we've heard this stuff before. No, that's where the chatter's leading is what yeah. if, what if. You know, but he's going to do nukes. How about U.S.? Yeah. How about tonight, Jim? Okay, I've got, I've got Logitech. It's like gaming. continues to slow. I've got um, Rockwell Automation. This is what you need in order to be able to open a new plant. But then Airbnb, which is down a lot off of Expedia. They do have Verbo. It's a competitor. Uh, I think Brian's can do some very good numbers. Plus a fascinating uh, office policy, basically, can work from He's anywhere. working from anywhere he wants. And let's try to make money off that. Uh, by the way, making money still works. <laughs> Good reminder, Jim. Glad we had you here today. Thank you. <laughs> Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.